Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 123 of the All Dolphins podcast. As always, we are going to start with our tribute to a player wearing the jersey number corresponding to the last two digits of the episode number, in this case, 23. Michael Jordan. LeBron James. Oh, I'm a, LeBron, I'm a LeBron guy. I wasn't a Michael Jordan guy. Um, I was I a short- learned something new about you every day. I didn't know I you were a LeBron guy. I was, well, I was a Showtime Lakers guy, big time. Okay. So Jordan came in and beat the declining Lakers in the NBA Finals one year and – Anyway, um, so sat on his throne for forever. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, so no, yeah, no Michael Jordan would be LeBron James for me. As far as the Dolphins are concerned, I would go with cornerback Patrick Sertan, a second round pick out of Southern Miss in the 1998 draft. The Dolphins traded a future number one in 99 to the Carolina Panthers to get him because Jimmy Johnson knew how to identify defensive talent in a draft. Because if you remember with the Dolphins, he drafted Zach Thomas, Ooh. Sam Madison, Ooh. Jason Taylor, Because I got a hot Jimmy Johnson take. Go for it. Uh-oh. Go for I, it. I, I've shared it on QAM many times, and it gets it, it, it's like hitting a hornet's nest. Jimmy Johnson was excellent drafting offensive players. Name me three good – I mean, excellent drafting defensive players. Correct. Name me three good offensive players that Jimmy Johnson drafted during his era. I don't know if I can name you can – I, can I name you one? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in, the, in round three was a good pick. But outside of that, no. I Rob ask. Conrad, the fullback, that's he, about he, it. As a second-round pick for a fullback who they didn't use as a ball carrier a whole lot, even though that's what he did at Syracuse. I don't know. That was that was a great pick. No. Um, no, on the offensive side of the ball. But I will tell you this. I will, I will tell you that his tenure as a Dolphin head coach to me is massively, massively poo-pooed on, pardon the pun, underrated, because he made the playoffs three times, three in four years, and he left the foundation of a championship-caliber defense for his successor. And this is where we we can haggle on the fact that he kind of forced his successor upon Wayne Heisinger, which may not have been the proper course of action. Because as much as we like Dave Wan said, who is a gem of a human being, as a head coach, he was he was a pretty decent head coach. Don't disrespect Dave. And in his as a, as a head coach, he's a great defensive coordinator. And I and I like I like Dave a lot. I actually covered Dave first at the University of Miami, who I covered well when I was part of the coverage team. Um uh, when Did they you think went boss to Armando Salguero. No, the uh the, Armando Salguero actually was the person who hired me at uh at the to the Miami News. 
Yeah, Where, you got to tell people that. Tell people that. Armando, Armando gave you a job. Armando gave me a job well, which was basically answering phones on Friday nights and with the occasional game coverage. And basically somebody who had done the job told me that the main requirements were being able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And fortunately, I met those qualification requirements. And um, look at you. Look how you parlayed that into running <laughs> on Dolphins.com. Look at yeah. you. And I and I no longer walk and chew gum at the same time because I don't I'm not chewing gum these days. So anyway, but I first met Dave Wanstead in 1986, part of the coverage team at the Miami News, pretty much Miami football team, and we produced a book uh, they, in anticipation of them winning the national title. Instead, they got beat by Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. For those who remember the uh, the the steak fry incident. And I did my story was about the dolphin, the dolphin, the hurricanes defense. So I got I interviewed Dave Watson quite a bit. I, like I said, gem of a guy, not necessarily a great head coach. I, I think his legacy and his tenure with Miami gets poo-pooed on. I think he had some pretty solid drafts. And to this day, I think outside of Don Shula, Dave Wanstead might have the best win-loss record as a Dolphins head coach. He does have a good one-loss record, but I would go ahead and challenge you. Name me good draft picks that he had. You're going to do me like that right now. I'm not you, Ray, man. It's for, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. First round pick in 2001 was Jamar Fletcher when they could have had ooh, Drew Brees. Ooh. In 2002, they didn't have a first round pick because they made the trade for Ricky Williams. Mm -hmm. In 2003, their first pick was in the second round with a linebacker by the name of Eddie Moore, who when we mm -hmm. got him on the conference call, we asked him, so, Eddie, did you think you were going to go in the second round? Was that we we expected to go? I was like, no, I didn't expect to go that high. And immediately it was like, oh, that's not good. And what did Eddie Moore do during his career with the Dolphins? He was a special teams player. And who could they have had instead? Don't do it. Which was indeed Anquan Bolden. So, and in 2004, which was Wanstead's last draft, the Dolphins traded down, no, traded up in the first round with Minnesota, I think they gave up a fourth-round pick to jump over New England because they thought New England wanted to get Vernon Carey. So they jumped from like 21 to 19, I believe it was. And, and they uh, ended up with Vince Wilfork. Correct. And who? And Vernon Carey was a solid NFL player. Vince Wilfork's a borderline Hall of Famer. Borderline? So, I put Vince in there. Okay. No, I, I have no issue with Vince Wilfork being, the, being in the Hall of Fame. So my, my whole point is, Dave Watson had a very, very good record, basically with Jimmy Johnson's defense and the Ricky Williams trade. What am I? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. You you mentioned all a lot of these busts. What happened to Chris Chambers? Oh, Chris Chambers was a good pick. That's one. You you just you I don't. You know what? That's one in four years. You you, you know what? Go ahead. A challenge. Go ahead. Challenge. Uh, Randy McMichael in the fourth round in 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not backing down to you. Go ahead, I, go for I, it. We go, we gonna do this. We go, we are going to do this, sir. Go ahead, let's do it. All right. Uh, and once one, I will say this about Dave. He is a coach for the last Dolphin team that won a playoff game, that December 30th, 2000 game against the Colts. Thank you. Put some respect on that man's name. There you go. Chris Chambers, Randy McMichael, 
Wade Smith. Put some respect on Wade Smith's name. Wade Smith. Yeah, Jeremiah Bell. Jeremiah Bell was a good pick. Vernon Carey. Not Vernon. You can't throw out Vernon Carey when you traded up to get him and you could have had been. Oh, Brooklyn. don't do I can. Vernon Carey was a solid veteran NFL starter. You extended him on a second contract. You will not take Vernon Carey away from me. You cannot. When you could have had been swell for it, yes, I'm going to take him away from you. Sorry. Yeah, I, and I like Vernon. Oh, listen, all right. There were some respectable picks, better offensive picks than, than Jimmy Johnson had. So. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but let, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let's this. Move on. Uh, we're, we're in the Mike McDaniel era of the Miami Dolphins, and we don't we don't have to rummage through disastrous drafts that continue. Well, that's because they don't have picks. That's why we don't have to worry about it because they don't have picks. <laughs> that's Dude, an they excellent have point. Yeah. Like hey. For the last few years, <laughs> we're, we're in the win now mode, so we just sell picks for players. Um, sure. Although. Looks like they certainly hit the jackpot with Devon Achans. We'll say that. We'll see. Let's wait till the second half of the season. Correct. Correct. Um, let Let's get into uh, some of these mid-season honors and superlatives that we want to give for this six and three Miami Dolphins team. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and I would like your answer. Who is your team MVP? You're going to start off with that one right away. Yeah, I don't do I don't do that all. Oh, we're gonna build up to the oh, important. Man. We're gonna build up to the important question. I'm gonna give yeah. you the special teams player of the year first. Who yeah. cares? Okay, let's get right to it. Uh, I think you know damn well what I'm gonna say. Here, here's what I will how how I will preface it though. I would not f- fight anybody or have a major gripe. If you want to say Tua to me, it's obviously, it's obviously Tua or Tyreek Hill. Uh, I'm of the camp. To me, it's very, very close between the two of them. If I, if you ask me for a vote, to me, it's 51-49 for Tyreek. You're frozen. You're frozen and your speech was one of the two. <laughs> I am just... Um... Okay, it's cool. Um Offensive MVP. Whoa, 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 whoa! And what do I do? I need do I need to ask what yours is, or is it obvious it's Tua? It, it's it's kind of obvious it's Tua. Um, okay. Tua 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 should be the MVP. Um, and let me give you the reason why he's the MVP. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the number one rated quarterback in the NFL, passer rating. He leads the league in most offensive statistical categories, and it's not just Tyreek that he's feeding. Um, the fewest sacks, biggest yards per attempt. Fewest sacks is not a not a tour stat, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm just saying it. it it's it 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 makes it, it's it's an offensive line stat, but it also is a tour stat um, because he gets the ball out quickly. We know who he is as a quarterback. We don't know if he's elite right now, but he's an upper echelon quarterback. And as long as he stays consistent with what he's done, even if he doesn't win the big game, like everybody is knocking him because he hasn't won the big game yet, even if he doesn't win the big game, he's still going to be an MVP candidate for the entire league, not just his own team. And I think that that makes him the team MVP. Okay, well, since you're going to give your reasons, I'm not just going to let you go 
do that and just leave mine at just Tyreek 5149. Uh, for me, my reasons, I'll give you two of them. I will give you one statistical and one big picture. The statistical is Tua has seven completions of 40 yards or more so far in 2023. Every single solitary one of those is to Tyreek. So, uh, so for those who are going to say, well, Tyreek needs somebody to throw him the ball. Yeah. Except that Tyreek's not throwing those deep complete. I mean, Tua's not throwing those deep completions to Tyreek because he's the one getting open 40 yards down the field. Um, other than the one against the Giants, which was basically was a wide receiver screen that he turned from a from a one yard gain or a zero yard gain to into a 63 yard gain. And second of all, it's because of everything that Tyreek does to opposing defenses with his speed in terms of opening up the entire field. And there are no, there's no stat to measure that. This is where you can you can counter with passer rating, and you know getting the getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, and all of that, that good stuff, you know, uh, touchdown passes, completion percentage, passing yards, and all of that. There is no statistical, statistical measure for what Tyreek does to opposing defenses and how much he opens the field. So all right. those are my That leads us to the offensive MVP for the Miami Dolphins, where my vote would go to Tyreek for everything that Poupard has just said. This gentleman is on pace for 2,000 yards. He basically opens the field for everybody else. Very talented player, first generational Hall of Famer in my mind, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, generational talent. Uh, I, I remember many, many years before Tyreek became a Dolphin, where every executive in the league that I knew, every scout in the league that I knew, you know what they were trying to do and what they were focused on? Finding the next Tyreek Hill. They weren't focused on finding the next Adrian Peterson or finding the next Julius Peppers or finding the next Miles Garrett. They were focused on filing the next Tyreek Hill. Um, he is a game changer. Is this, is this where I say not focused on finding the next Tua? They're finding they're focused on finding the next. Yeah, Tua. I, I bet I bet you a lot of these team, a lot of these teams that are about to tank wish they could find the next Tua in this draft because Caleb Williams ain't it. Just my opinion. Um, okay. Um, obviously, my vote would, and, and again, to me, it's it's kind of dense that there's these two. It, it, the Offensive Player of the Year award for the NFL is basically their way of saying, since we're going to give it to nobody but quarterbacks, well, let's recognize the other offensive players who deserve it. So let's do that. Since Tyreek's my MVP, then he obviously gets my vote for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, damn, so you just gave him both of them MVP, offensive player of the year, two against nothing, just empty handed. Okay, how about, how about Dolphins quarterback of the year? <laughs> Special teams MVP, who would you give that honor to? Jesus, it's hey, consider your list, buddy. This is your list. Well, no, because I, it, I like to be thorough, and this is my list from when I when I did this particular story. Uh, I, and I like to be thorough and include everything. Has there has there even been because we discussed this before? Actually, we started recording. There hasn't been one play from special teams that's like, wow, that was that was crazy good. Um, Barrios has been very solid as a, as a returner, uh, but doesn't have like a stupidly long one. Jason Sanders missed an extra point, missed a field goal in the first two weeks of the season and has attempted very few field goals. Jake Bailey's been okay, not not great. Okay. So I'm going to go with a coverage guy. 
Uh, I looked at one who's played the most snaps is Duke Riley. Who every every game leads in special team snaps. Have I noticed him that much? Not really. I've noticed Elijah Campbell a little. Uh, let's see. Uh, Elijah Campbell. Well, that's a good one. Um, I actually went with Jason Sanders, and I know he missed an extra point, and he missed a, a field goal, and some of his uh, kickoffs are shorter than they need to be. Um, let's see. He uh, – Damn it. I'm trying to get to the to the information here. I apologize for not being prepared. 36 of 45 kickoffs were allowed to be, I mean, were were basically long enough to not be returned. So it's okay. The man got his contract restructured. So obviously the Dolphins say, hey, we're not just gonna absolutely dump you next season because his contract wasn't guaranteed next season. So I'm curious to see if Jason Sanders can use all of this support as a vote of confidence to show up and kick the big field goal when the big field goal is required. Um, best rookie. Let me guess. A certain well, tiny running back. Well, I, yeah. Then even though, even, even though he played a third of the games in the first half of the season, which is one of the league, leagues, leagues. Oh, I know. I know. Right. And it's not like they've, like they've had a ton of contributions of rookies. I mean, Chris Brooks didn't play a whole lot. Julian Hill, Brandon Peely. So, yeah, slam dunk. It's got to be A-Chan. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, it's got to be A-Chan. Um, I, I don't even remember much of the rookie class except for Cameron Smith. But then there's guys like Julian Hill who showed up, showed out, sure. played well. So, But the best rookie has to go to A-Chan. Um, most improved player, Alan Pavard. Who shall that be? The knee-jerk reactions to go with Austin Jackson, but the improvement from what? Because he played two games last year. Come on, you knew he sucked before last year. I didn't know he sucked last year because he was moving to right tackle. And you was knew like, he sucked before me? last year. Yes, when he sucked before last year. Yes, that I can't argue. Um but it was like I was very curious to see what he would do last year because they were moving him to right tackle in a scheme that emphasizes mobility more than power. So I was like, mm, maybe that's a scheme's going to be good for him. Um, but off the top of my head, I came trying to think here who else has taken a really big leap forward, and I can't think of anyone. So it would have to be him. Um, Without a doubt, I think it has to be Austin Jackson just because I believe that he's gone from the biggest mystery, the biggest concern, the biggest question mark to the most consistent, efficient offensive lineman on the team. And that's high, heavy praise if you know what you're talking about and you know what what each each of those guys brings to the table. So. Yeah, no. I... Um, our next Honor and award goes to comeback player of the year. Hmm. Is Tua finally going to not get a shutout? Well, here, here's the thing. And the, you and I have had, have had this discussion outside of this, where among the betting odds, he's second in the NFL for that award behind only DeMar Hamlin. And this is where I'm going to be the ogre and say, DeMar Hamlin's a very inspirational story. The guy's played in one game the entire season. So how is he comeback player of the year? I mean, 
he's still alive. Well, okay, but he's not. I mean, he's come back an active of the year. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm being harsh, but I. Okay. Yeah. All right. Touche. Uh, and then with then then two is number two, and then somebody made the point. I don't know if it was you. I don't know if it was Daniel or somebody else in the media room, but the dude played 13 games last year. Um, the issue is he had the two concussions. There was some talk in the offseason. Is he might might that be it for him? Might he retire? So in terms of the severity of the injury, yeah, it's a great comeback. But again, not like he didn't have a full body of work last last year. So this is where you could go back again to Austin Jackson because the dude played two games last year. 84, I agree. 84 total snaps. I, I would so give my comeback player of the year to Austin Jackson. Now Newcomer of the year. It's too early to say Jalen Ramsey doesn't have enough of a body of work. So um, I'd be inclined to think right now, the one without spending a ton of time thinking about it, I think I would go with David Long Jr. Can I count Kendall Lamb? No, he was on the team last year. Not a newcomer. Damn. Then I'm going to have to go with Isaiah Wynn, uh, the starting left guard who was playing pretty well before he suffered an injury. I'm not sure he's going to come back, but I, I just didn't want to give the same answer that you gave, especially considering David Long just started heating up. I mean, he was in Vic Fangio's doghouse for – all of training camp, first month of the season. And he finally found his way out. And we're seeing the fruits of his labor. Definitely a, a, a pretty impressive playmaker. Um, so, to me, that that was newcomer of the year, right? Yep, no, and that's a good one. I, I, I'm good with Isaiah one as well. Um, best victory of the season would be what? Oh my lord! I got a loud meowing cat over here. Um, sorry. Whenever I want I mean, your attention, wow. I'm just gonna start meowing. I know the secrets now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, my kitty litter. Oh no, catnip. 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 Yep. Yeah. Uh, Does catnip work? I haven't seen because sometimes cats go cray cray over it. My mind just roll roll on it. I sprinkle a little bit on the floor and they just roll around on it. It's it's the weirdest thing. It's they getting hot. No. Pretty much, yeah. Um, what's that song? I was gonna do some work, but I got high. Oh yeah. yeah you know you know what I'm talking about. I right? got high because I got high because I got high. Do 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 do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, talk about like in a long-winded, very well. I think I'd have to go week one against the Chargers, 36-34, on the road against what was a playoff team from last year. Seesaw game, closed it out at the end with the defense. Well, with the offense scoring the game-winning touchdown, and then the defense slamming the door. I I, I like your selection, but I still got to go with the seventy burger, and and here's the reason why. Um. Mike, the merciful McDaniel, decided that I shall show grace and civility and not kick a field goal, even though I'm in scoring territory and could set an NFL record. So Mike, the merciful, allowed 
the 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 Denver Broncos to keep their to keep their their pride. So really, really, they had pride after that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you you it could have been. Yeah, you want to play around? It could have been a record. It could have. Yeah, but here's here's my two things about this: is sure he's merciful and not going for the record. Uh, in a passive aggressive kind of way, is it not more like a rub in the face of like could go for the record, but I'm not. That's number one. And then number two, and I said this at the time. To me, the idea of throwing a 68-yard touchdown pass when you're up 63 to 13. Hey, they get paid too. They get paid too. I I get it. I get it. But I've seen games that got out of hand like this, where basically all the offensive is doing, the offense is doing, is handoff, 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 punt. Let's let the game get done, and then going, you know, over the top with a double move like that. It it let, let me put it this way: it didn't jibe at all. It didn't mesh with not going for the record. Mm-hmm. Let's get to um, what's the worst loss of the season so far, in your opinion? Has to be the Chiefs because because it, it was there. It was there for the taking. Um, why are you giving me this? Because it was there. For, it was there for the taking. They got a first and ten at the thirty-one yard line of the Chiefs with a minute ten left or whatever it was. Two timeouts, and I'm of, of the opinion that had they scored a touchdown, McDaniel would have gone for two, and not done overtime, and not not to go to overtime. And the way that it it ended with the two fluky plays at the end, the two botch plays at the end was very, very frustrating. And this is the defending Super Bowl champion, the team you have to beat in the AFC to get the number one seed. And it was right there more so than the Eagles, even though they were driving for the tying touchdown with the Eagles. But then after the pick, the Eagles rammed it down your throat for seven minutes to score the, the another touchdown. So, yeah, to me, clear cut the KC game. Yeah, to me... It's got to be the Buffalo Bills. Not only did they pimp slap you and pay child support, um, they created a blueprint that allowed every defense to build off it in terms of just getting pressure with four, an edge rush with a cornerback, and you will rattle the crap out of Tua. And it's something that is a byproduct of of what we've lived and experienced. Um, but you got to... If you want to be the king, you got to beat the king. You want to be the man, you got to be the man, beat the man. And until you do that, that this Buffalo Bills team is the Detroit Pistons to Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. You got to go through them. And until you do, they're just going to be there. Okay. No, that's that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this question. Um, what has been the best defensive play and the best offensive play so far this season? Well, funny you should mention that because I did I did stories on both of these, the top 10 defensive plays and offensive plays. And my number one, my number one offensive play was very easy for me. And I have said many times, I'm going to say it again, to me, clearly the best pass of Tua's career which was a 47-yarder on third and 10 to Tyreek on the game-winning drive against the Chargers, where Tua stepped up in the pocket, 
through off balance off his front foot and through a pill dart down the field. That was brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, best defensive play for my selection. I went with something a little bit funky, which was a last play of the new England game where they made that stop after the pass of Mike Gesicki. I think it was Justin Bethel who wrapped him up. A 175-pound cornerback wrapped up the 250-pound tight end where he couldn't he couldn't free himself from the grip, had no choice but the lateral. Sorry, sorry, Mike, I'm taking a shot at you there. Um, had, had no choice but the lateral it to Cole Strange, the guard, and then the Dolphins, like, with three guys on him, put him down just short of the, of the first down marker. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, the best offensive play is going to be the Tua right-handed shovel pass for the touchdown to HN in twice in one game. Nobody had seen a lefty quarterback use his right to shovel the pass, but he did it. It's on record. It's on wax. And now they got to figure out a way to make it work. It was, I mean, it was very, to me, to me, that play was like very high on the cool meter. I don't know that there's anything special about it other, other than being really, really cool, but okay. I, I hear you. Uh, what's your best defensive play? Oh, it's got to be Jalen Ramsey interception. Okay. Um, this is this is a guy who, you know, we were going in that game wondering if he should play, convinced that he wasn't going to be at 100%. And here he is. He called the play. I'm going to get an interception. I'm going to return it for a pick six. And then in the press conference, Mike McDaniel has to admit that he let him down. Uh, that you didn't deliver the pick six like you promised. Uh, I am learning a lot about this defense, and, and that's one of the things I think people don't understand. It's hard to learn defenses when they're bad because they don't look like they're supposed to look. The rules and concepts of them aren't there. So I'm so thankful and honored that they're getting better, they're progressing, and it just won't be a handful of us in this space. It'll be a lot of us in this space. And we will determine who we watch, what we watch, who supports who. So uh, you know, it 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 it's it it, it was a um, it's a big it's a big Jalen Ramsey that interception that comeback, him being here for the second half of the season. I think it was huge. No, that's good. I uh, you know what? I just realized something that, and I should have had it dawned on me at the time. I would I might have, you know made a point of it to Mike McDaniel when he had his press conference, when he talked about, you know, he had promised me a pick six instead he gave, gave me a pick field goal. I'm like, no, it should be instead of a pick six, it was a pick three. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Leave it to rain, man, to figure out a, a, a formula for that. Yeah. That, that, that the missing formula. Now let me get to the final category, which is the best unit. Who would you say? has the best unit on the Miami Dolphins in 2024. Oh, you mean the position group I'm assuming you mean, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if we go if we go really tight micro, I, th I think it has to be cornerback because I don't think there's a position. You you could make a case for wide receiver at the top, but to me, if you if we're gonna go, hold on, you're giving me that look. If we're gonna go with a top two, I think X and Jalen Ramsey would rank higher as cornerbacks than Hill and Waddle would rank 
as wide receivers. It's close, but I think I would give the answer. And then as far as a number three guy, Cater as a slot to me would okay. easily beat Dwarf, Dwarf even maybe anybody else at wide receiver. So it, cornerback it, for me. Here's the way that I look at it. Uh, it would be the offensive line for me. And I hear everything that you said and all the arguments that you made. But more than likely, one of those grandmas know how to put on a, a, a sewing machine. And and and, and so. What? What the hell? <laughs> one of those grandmas know how to put on a sewing machine. And so what the hell does that mean? That that means that the bet they're the best unit. Um, what unit was I talking about? Uh, the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they. You were talking about grandmas and sewing, and I'm like, you completely lost me there. They they basically sewed it all together, and kept the season all together. Adam, I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it much longer because Kendall Lamb held it together. Held the season together when, um, when when Teron Armstead was out, Liam Eikenberg held the season together when Connor Williams was out. Now Lester Cotton's gonna be able to hold it together, hopefully, while Isaiah Wynn is out. And keep in mind that this was a unit that was expected to be the worst unit on the team, the worst unit probably in the NFL. I mean, it was the most criticized unit. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, we're, 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 who had confidence in Miami Dolphin offensive line? You mean besides you and I? Because we, we, we were... After we saw it but, in training camp, yeah. I don't know that it was expected to be that, hor- that horrible. It wasn't like 2019 levels. And this is also, do you, if I were to tell you that the design of the offense with a speed, with a lot of quick passing, with two, and you're rolling your eyes at me, with Tua's ability to get rid of the ball quickly and make quick decisions, do you not make room for the possibility that that makes life a lot easier on the offensive line and makes the offensive line look better and makes their job much and, easier than for some other and, teams? And then you know what happens in those instances where you just take them for granted? They, on a critical play, they allow a lot of pressure and then Tua takes his eyes off the ball and the ball falls on the ground, even though it's a good enough snap. Or they allow pressure and Tua needs to buy an extra second of time and get that third down throw completed without a good offensive line, you have nothing. And I've, I've, I've said that consistently. I stand by that. You know, I love my trench play, but it's important that the grandmas are sewing it all together. They, they, they hold it all together. I will stand by my statement. Yes. I'm not, I'm not downplaying the importance of an offensive line. I agree, but I'm going to stand by state, but my statement that, the design of the offense, the scheme, some of the play calling with the with the shovel passes, the quick outs, the motion, all that all makes correct. It makes life a lot easier for this offense. I don't think this offensive line is under as much stress or has to do as much as like a maybe a typical like power blocking offense. Well, hold line. on, hold on. They're also responsible for a lot of those downfield blocks. They're also on the field, 20 yards, 30 yards downfield, opening up holes for those big runs. 
Like, you know, they buy to an extra second or two when he's delivering on the big plays. You don't have them. You don't have this kind of offensive success, in my opinion. So I know they're struggling right now, and I know they don't have all their pieces, and I know that guys are battling injuries and guys are just coming back from injuries, but they're holding the line, and they're sewing it all together, and they're making this work for this team. Okay, but – See, the question you posed initially was, what's the best unit? Tell you, me what you the legitimately, best unit is. You legitimately think that the offensive line is where the Dolphins have the most talent? I think the offensive line is the offensive line is the unit that has performed the best this season. I do. Because without them, you would have had none, none of this. Best Second best run game in the NFL. Okay. I mean, we, we should have a offense. and and with and with and without the speed, you mean you you're not number one in the in the NFL total offense. You're not number one two in rushing offense. So I don't know. Again, everything like this. Uh, since you like to bring up movie references, Eddie and the Cruisers. This is my my movie references are different than yours. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers. Words and music. Words and music. And I, and I will make it a point to try to watch American Gangsters. I love movies. I don't like three-and-a-half-hour movies. So I wanted to watch The Irishman. I started watching it again. It's at three-and-a-half-hour flicks. There's a new one out, Killers of the of the Moon Floor, whatever it's called, Martin Scorsese movie. Wife and I talked about going to see it. Again, In the another, theater? Mm-mm. Yes, it's another three-and-a-half-hour movie. It's like you, you got you to gotta watch that somewhere where you could take a break. Like You can't just watch that in the theater. Well, but there's something to be said about the movie going experience. Um, but to, to me, is it, is it is it possible to make a good movie in like two hours or under? I mean, Jesus. Um, I, I I'm just saying, American Gangster. It's classic. So I will make I, it a point I, to make it a point to watch it. All right. Well, that is it for the All Dolphins podcast. We hope you're enjoying your buy. Don't tune us out. We got a lot of good content on alldolphins.com. You can find our work there for free. Everything is free, folks. Every single thing is free. And Poupard has been pumping out a ton of work. We've also got first and tens. First and ten every day during the buy, 9 a.m. You've got Robert Hunt. You've got Andrew Van Ginkel. You've got Raekwon Davis. You've got who else did we do first and ten? Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb, listen. Cater Kohu. Cater Kohu. I'm delivering first and tens, helping you get basically the underbelly of this team because, you know, nobody knows what what these guys are like um, outside of their helmet and and they show their personalities and and so they're they're giving you a little bit of a glimpse of that. So look for that on our AllDolphins.com channel, and I'll also put something up on the uh, AllDolphins.com page. But on that note, we thank you for watching. Thank you for joining. Thank you for subscribing. And we'll see ya mañana. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.